0: So Money, episode 398. Scott McGillivray, host of HGTV's Income Property.
1: You're listening to So Money with award winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30 minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh yourself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: There just aren't enough hours in a day. Forget working past the normal nine to five. You need to make time work for you. And if you're still making time-consuming trips to the post office, there's a better way stamps.com. With stamps.com, get the postage you need the instant you need it. You purchase and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your computer and print at home or in the office. Of course, you'll save money too. It's just a fraction of the cost of one of those expensive postage meters. Plus, you'll get special postage discounts that you can't even find at the post office. There's one constant theme that comes up on this show when we talk to entrepreneurs and that is time management. Time is valuable and you'd much rather spend it growing your business than running errands. Like going to the post office, right now sign up for stamps.com and use my code SO Money for a special four week trial offer, plus a special $110 bonus offer including postage and a digital scale. Get started with stamps.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in SO Money. That's stamps.com and enter SO Money. Welcome back to SO Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Quick reminder, today is another fresh episode of Follow the Leader on CNBC. Tonight we follow Lior Cohen, music mogul. He is responsible for basically uh, taking hip-hop to an all-new lucrative level in this country. He started Def Jam Records back in the 80s and is known for helping manage the careers of such artists as Ludacris the Beastie Boys, and so on. So you want to find out where he's at today. And he's uh, bigger and badder and better than ever. And I had the privilege of following him around and got to see some things that I would probably never see in my life. So stay tuned. Head over to CNBC tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern Pacific for Follow the Leader. All right. I can't wait to talk to this guest. I mean, I wish that I had connected with him last fall when I was going through my major renovation in Brooklyn. Better late than never. Today's guest is a skilled contractor, award-winning TV host, and executive producer on the HDTV DIY hit series. Hit series, everybody. 11th season we're going into this show, Income property. You know this show. You've probably flipped by or you're obsessed with it like I am. Scott McGillivray is here. He's got a passion for educating homeowners to make smart renovation and investment decisions that deliver financial rewards. I mean, what would I have given to have him close by during my epic reno last fall? Well, most recently, Scott has partnered with Owners.com. It's a newly launched real estate buying and selling service that helps you save more when you're selling your home. Very, very cool, because I know that uh, you know giving 6% to an agent sometimes, especially someone who's not really you feel working hard on your behalf, can be painful. You might recognize Scott because he frequently appears as an expert on morning and daytime shows. He's also appeared in various publications from Forbes to USA Today and People, among others. With Scott, we discuss how to really invest in real estate to win, like how to create what he calls under market deals. And he would know he's invested in over 100 properties. What are some inexpensive ways to raise the value of your home by Friday? (laughs) Like really, like some quick, quick, quick cheap ways to do it, Um, especially if you're already in the market to sell your home and you have an open house coming up. What are some tricks you can play to get people to really you know, make a good offer? And by the way, what's the best day of the week if you're a buyer to place a bid? He gets that specific. And the time Scott bought over 30 homes in one day, was that a so money moment or a total fail? Let's learn. Here we go. Here's Scott McGillivray. Scott McGillivray. Welcome to So Money Income Property Stud. I'm so excited to have you on the show.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show.
0: By the way, where were you when I was doing my home renovation all of 2015 and now lingering into 2016? What a headache it was to go through. You go through this now like 11 seasons you've been doing income property. How many now? Am I counting right?
1: Yeah, you're counting right. You got it's about 175 oh my gosh. Uh, renovations
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went through one, and it was personal. And you go through, you know, as you said, you know, dozens and dozens, and they're typically other people's. But you yourself have been, you know, involved in contract work and real estate for, for well, since I guess you could, since you were uh, legal. Why do you keep going back to these sorts of projects? I mean, what is it about real estate and the renovation process that you really enjoy personally?
1: Well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I didn't, um, you know, I, I actually kind of fell into it a little bit. I don't come from a background of real estate. I actually, um, went to school for a business degree and I got into real estate because as a student, I was struggling to find a place to live and, um, ended up Analyzing the opportunity that it and figured out it was better off to buy a property than to continue renting. So it was really the business model that got me into real estate, and the renovations were always a hobby of mine. And, uh, Obviously, uh, I started doing more and more renovations. The more and more properties I purchased, decided to become a licensed contractor when I was 26 years old and uh, allowed me to combine something that I like to do with something that's profitable. So it's a win-win. Mm-hmm.
0: And I read a uh, little bird told me that you owned 25 properties by the time you were 25. Is that true or just a rumor?
1: No, that's true. I think I was at about 27 or 28 properties by by the time I was 25. Yeah.
0: And so arguably you started in real estate and and renovation work at a time when maybe it was uh, kind of, it was really trendy and it was, it seemed like there was no risk. And then of course we had the stock, we had the real estate market crash 2008, 2009. We're still dealing with the, some in some, in some parts of this country, still dealing with the aftermath of that. What's changed? Mm-hmm. Well, how has your approach changed or at least your mindset changed when you go into projects now, given that- Nothing's a sure bet anymore.
1: Well, I mean, before pre two thousand and eight, like you said, it was um you you could really do just about anything and make money in real estate. Right. It's very interesting. And I I mean partially luck got me into it, but then I would say skill and discipline got me through it. Um because I started doing all kinds of things when I got into real estate investing. I wasn't even sure in the year, you know, nineteen ninety nine when I started what real estate investing really looked like. I was flipping houses, I was renting properties, I was wholesaling and doing lease options, you know, pretty much anything that you could figure out and, and trying to to acquire properties and accumulate them as I went along. Um, but it really wasn't until Um, Prices really got out of control. 2005, I think, is when I realized, my goodness, it's only been five or six years that I've been in real estate and the properties have doubled. You know, and it, it was a struggle to be able to acquire value at that point. And um that's when I started to focus in on buy and hold because of cash flow. So I was I was more concerned with properties that I could get good tenants into, that I could get positive cash flow and that had a good long term strategy because I really felt there were some Um, You know some challenges we've definitely felt it around 2005, and then in 2008 um, everyone was panicking obviously, and a lot of the things that I had been doing before that you couldn't do anymore. You couldn't uh, buy with no money down. You couldn't uh, flip houses, you know, and wholesale properties quickly because you were pushing water up a hill. Um, but at that time I had enough properties and I was investing in several different states. I was also investing in Canada. I invest in the two different countries and, and um, you know, I pretty much went into a holding pattern for 18 months and, uh, And it was, it was a huge learning curve because a lot of people that I knew who were so-called real estate investors were, had lost a lot of money or lost Mm -hmm. their portfolio or went bankrupt. Um, But I, I actually was at that time focused mainly on buy and hold and our ten most of our tenants stayed. Uh, We actually found the demand for rentals went up a little bit because less people could qualify for, for properties. Um, And the. Business model continued to cash flow as well, and uh, I always tell people you, you're only going to lose money on the property if you sell it at a loss, because values will go up and down over time. And um, I ended up in the uh, late 2000, sort of nine, early 2010 uh, period, ended up expanding my portfolio from a few dozen properties to over a hundred wow. properties. Because the opportunity was there and nobody was pursuing it. You know, it's typically when everyone says, you know, this is the worst time to be an investor. Chances are it's probably the best time to be right. an investor. Right. I think <laughs>
0: Warren Buffett has a similar catchphrase, which is that when everyone's yeah. running for the woods, that's when you want to strike. That's when you want to take risks. Um, and so tell me about Owners.com. This is an, a recent partnership where it's you're in the buying and selling service, right?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I, because I've got all these properties and we're, we're having a lot of transactions going on. There's really two parts to to accumulating wealth. Um, one is obviously generating more income. You, know, you have to be able to make money to be wealthy. But the other side of the equation is that a, a penny saved is a penny earned. You also have to be able to save the money that you're making. And in real estate, as soon as you become a homeowner uh, or a real estate investor, you're going to start tracking where you're spending your money. And there's two or three items that can really impact your profitability or your sustainability as a homeowner. And, you know, we look at the interest portion of our mortgages, that's a huge expense, but when you get transactional, the commissions on real estate are they can really eat into your profit margins and considering that a home is typically the largest investment anyone will make, you need to be savvy, you need to be smart, you need to keep dollars in your pocket. there's been, you know, many different ways to buy and sell properties over the 16 years that I've been a real estate investor. I've worked with real estate agents. I've done for sale uh, by owner on my own, um, but obviously more recently, finding a middle ground has been the sweet spot. Um, working with Owners.com has uh, two benefits. Obviously, number one, when you're when you're selling, you can list your property, get access to Every MLS and every other listing site uh, that that's required to get your listing out there but then you save on the commission as well and I would be a fool as a real estate in- investor not to take advantage of that opportunity in order to maximize my profits and as a homeowner you have to you have to maximize your savings as well mm-hmm and we know that the, the market is evolving. We still want to work with a brokerage. You still want to work with licensed agents. You just want to maybe look at a business model like owners where you're getting way more value for your money. And instead of paying huge commissions, you can pay a flat fee, which is a, just a small portion of what uh, a standard agent would typically take.
0: Right. I know in New York, at least, the commission is around 6%. So, what would yeah. that be compared to going with owners.com? What's the flat fee there typically?
1: So, let's take the Okay, New York, of course, we know. Million dollars. High. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A million dollar house. Let me do the math in my head for you. And uh, I'm usually pretty good at this. On a million dollar home, you're looking at $60,000 worth of real estate commissions. Mm-hmm. Typically, that would be divided up. to the buyer's agent, 3% to the seller's agent. So you're looking at 30,000 and 30,000. So the seller, you got to give 60 grand away, right? That's if you're going with a typical agent. (laughs) If you go with owners, um, you're going to pay a flat fee Which there's a couple options, but literally you're going to be saving that two and a half to three percent commission on the buyer's agency side. So you're going to put an extra thirty grand in your pocket. It's as simple as that. And if if you double end the deal, you keep the whole sixty grand. But I would say that typically buyers are going to come with an agent representation, and you want to leave that incentive out there. You want agents to be showing your property. You don't want to scrape it back. Um, That's the seller or the buyer's decisions if they want to have an agent or not. But as a seller, um, you know, you want to keep as much of the commission as possible or all of it if you can, but still have representation, Mm -hmm. still have somebody walking you through it, helping with negotiations, booking appointments if necessary, uh, and making sure you don't make some mistakes.
0: How does Owners.com keep its prices low so that it can then, charge a smaller commission. Like, so what is owners.com doing on its, on its end, on its business side in order to be able to make do with a smaller commission?
1: Right. And I mean, that's a great question, probably for them. Um, You know, I'm working, I'm using owners.com because it makes sense to me. Um, I didn't create owners.com. I don't have their business model. But what I would say is this, is that the market is evolving. There are technologies that are now available that clearly streamline the process, right? The things are completely streamlined. You can do everything uh, remotely if you would like these days. I don't remember the last time I got in my car and decided to drive around to look for properties. I clearly go online first, like most buyers do. We do all our research online. We're really streamlining the process. We know that there are savings in there. And an organization that can capitalize on that new technology is obviously going to have a competitive advantage and that's really where owners is coming in they're saying look we can have licensed agents across the country helping people buy and sell properties we don't need to you know physically drive them around or uh, we can help them with their online search we can help with all the documentation and all the process and we don't have to charge thirty thousand dollars or sixty thousand dollars worth of commissions you can do it for under a thousand bucks probably right
0: yeah. I love that. I love that. Especially now, as I finish my renovation, now I'm thinking about selling down the road. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I live in Brooklyn, which I'm fortunate. There are a lot of uh, homes being built in the neighborhood and people are excited to move in. And I think that right now is a great time to sell. I won't be selling right now, but great time to be selling.
1: It's a great time He says a very active market There's mm-hmm. been You know People doing renovations Adding value to their home Is going to force appreciation In yours as well
0: Well like I said I wish I had you along For the ride Because I had <laughs> Several headaches Including a Drunk contractor Whom I had to Subsequently what? fire Yeah
1: Oh Farnoosh What's going on? You should have called me I Seriously. should have called
0: What? I know um, Next time If there ever will be one um, Next
1: time You'll do another one
0: my so money team's recently become a fan of a company called Realty Shares that's disrupting the real estate finance industry with their crowdfunding platform. Here's some investment advice brought to you by our April sponsor, Realtyshares.com. Haley from New York writes, How do I invest in real estate in California? Well, Haley, one easy way to invest in any one of the 50 states is through a real estate crowdfunding website. There are a few, but RealtyShares.com has the lowest investment minimums. RealtyShares allows accredited investors to invest as little as $5,000 per transaction in residential and commercial real estate projects across the U.S. What's great about RealtyShares is that all of the real estate deals are sourced and vetted by experienced investment professionals. Thousands of investors are using the platform to browse through deals and invest in minutes. Of course, keep in mind that all investments are risky and may lose value. Past performance is not indicative of future results. For this month only, when you sign up at RealtyShares.com slash money and link a bank account, the company will transfer $50 into your linked bank account. Visit RealtyShares.com slash money to begin today. I was on your blog and I noticed that some simple tips for people who want to spruce up their properties without necessarily hiring a contractor and going through that, but even a paint job can do wonders for your home. Um, tell us a little bit about the simple steps that homeowners can take to increase property value without really having to, you know, take out a cabinet or upgrade, cap, uh, you know, granite or floor.
1: Yeah, I mean, like yourself doing a renovation, uh, the majority of people doing renovations are actually preparing their home for sale and looking to get top dollar. So clearly, uh, I think the general public understands that, you know, getting your house prepped for sale is how you make a little bit of extra money. And the best. Uh, renovations or upgrades that give you uh, ROI, return on your investment, are ones that involve your own sweat equity and you know nothing super major in terms of restructuring your home. So very quickly, I would say from the outside in is what you want to think when you're selling your home. So it has to be approachable. People will judge a book by its cover, they'll judge a house by its exterior. Um, It has to be appealing from the moment they pull up everything from the landscaping to the weeds in the grass to the, you know, the door, doorbell, light, numbers, mailbox, all being consistent and clean and working together. And those are things you can get out there with a rake and a shovel, uh, some trimmers, a uh, screwdriver, and you can do all these little upgrades yourself on a Saturday afternoon. Um, and you can significantly increase the appeal of the home, even just from the exterior. Giving it that well maintained look is key to getting people in the door. Mm -hmm. And once they are inside, you know, think about obviously depersonalizing your space. So that means uh, really neutralizing, making sure everything feels calm. Everything feels spa-like. Get, you know, get all, go out and buy a ton of white towels, make sure all your Bathrooms have white, clean towels in them. Um, You know, set the table at the dining room so that you're basically going to position the home as if the buyer is walking in and can see themselves sitting down and living there immediately and feeling comfortable right they don't they don't necessarily want to see all of your arts and crafts on the wall they don't want to see a thousand family pictures or your doll collection or your teddy bear collection like all (laughs) of those that doll
0: collection man okay fine take the
1: doll collection (laughs) down right just like you you don't want to have all your Star Wars uh, tell that to my husband all his Legos and Star Wars take them down (laughs) I
0: also heard that um, it helps to maybe bake some cookies or pop popcorn in the microwave because our sense of smell is so powerful and like you said, make them feel like they're they're actually living there. So if they can imagine themselves sitting at the counter, you know, eating um, and, and also because cookies just smell so delicious that that mm-hmm. is also a good psychological trick.
1: And you know, I don't think there's a tremendous amount of data to back it up. However, you know, if you can appeal to somebody's um, appetite for food, you may increase their <laughs> appetite to purchase your property. So yeah. I would say that might be something that would work well if you're doing an open house, for instance. You're going to have a lot of traffic through the property. That's when you're going to want to put in some flowers maybe some fresh cut flowers yes you can do the baking the cookies if you would like just don't burn them (laughs) and 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 even I mean if you go to um well, if you go to like a model home where they're where they're selling a whole neighborhood's worth of properties, they actually do a lot of these things. They bake cookies every morning they leave them out as people come through. you can have a cookie right like it's mm-hmm. you're right people use these as incentives are they ne- necessities not not exactly, uh-huh. and I wouldn't do it every time you're having somebody come and look at it, but if you're having a large group of people, it's a Saturday or Sunday, you've got six or seven showings, yeah, it might be worth. Throwing some popcorn in and getting people's appetite.
0: Scott, what are some good negotiating tactics for potential buyers? Right now, the market is really tight. So if, especially if you're in a city like New York, San Francisco, forget it. Unless you have cash and you made the offer yesterday, you're not in the, you're not in the running. Um, but yet how do you still make yourself an attractive buyer even in those tight markets and in everywhere else? How do you actually negotiate the price to where you want it to be?
1: So you're dead on that. You know there are a lot of markets that right now it is uh, it's a seller's market. It's tough to be a buyer, and I hear this all the time, in in, uh, in some of those cities you mentioned where it's like there's no deals left. I can't buy anything. I, you know how how can I how can I get something? And there's a few things you can do because I'm always buying real estate, especially in active and hot markets where I think there's great opportunities. People are like how did you get that one at such a great price? I still manage to find um, under market value deals, Um, and I guess the better word is not find, but create under market deals. And the first thing I would say is that list price is a suggestion. So when you're looking at properties and their list prices, that doesn't mean that's what you're going to pay for it necessarily. And if you want to have a bit of a competitive advantage to be being able to acquire the property of your dreams or get into the neighborhood that you're really interested in or create value with an investment property, here's I'll give you a couple quick things that will increase your chances of success. Number one, go shopping on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. If you're shopping for real estate on a Saturday and Sunday, you're not getting deals a seller is much more difficult to negotiate with on a weekend than they are on a weekday, right? During, during the week, they're distracted with work, um, the kids routines. They're not, they're probably not getting a lot of other offers on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. So chances are they'll very quickly and efficiently entertain your offer. Um, typically the market fluctuates, believe it or not, between a Saturday and a Monday. So two days, between a Saturday and a Monday, the market drops by almost 1% every single week.
0: Interesting. Oh my gosh. Okay.
1: Most people don't know this. Uh, real estate agents know this. When's the last time you saw a real estate agent promote an open house on a Monday night? It's on a Saturday. It's mm-hmm. on a Sunday. And if you think about the average home price in America being around $350,000, you're going to save $3,500 on average by putting offers in on a Monday versus a Saturday. So that's one quick tip: is just even change your habit as a purchaser and you're looking in a market. Um, another thing is to get over the fear of rejection. If you are if you are not being if your offers some of your offers are not being rejected, you're possibly offering too much. Mm-hmm. Right? I nine out of ten of offers that I put in get either turned down or sent back to me.
0: But that's just part of the dance, right? So know that part of the dance, it's not a rejection, rejection, it's just, no, what else you got?
1: It's just a maybe, no means maybe in
0: real estate. (laughs) Hey, I watch um, Million Dollar Listing on Bravo. Yeah which is yeah. more about the drama than the real estate. Oh, yeah. and we've had Josh uh, Altman on the show here before and um he's crazy, man. That guy will go any <laughs> stretch for a sale. He'll go to any stretch for a sale. What's the craziest thing you've ever done to get a property that you wanted either for yourself or like as part of a team that was working on a on a reno, I don't know. Tell me something crazy that you've done.
1: I, uh, I mean, I've basically done deals almost on a napkin before. If, if I thought it was right, I've knocked on doors to get deals. Um, I've put out flyers. I mean, I've I've done a lot of sort of conventional or just somewhat non-conventional things. I'm trying to think about the craziest things that I've craziest, craziest, craziest thing. I, I bought thirty-three houses in one day. That was a bit crazy. Where were um, they all in,
0: like the same neighborhood, or
1: they were all? It was all part of a, a bank trying to get rid of a bunch of properties. And I went to an auction to buy one property, and I really wanted this one property in particular. Um, but they there was an issue with um, the 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 bank who owned the uh, the properties basically had an out clause that if they you know if they didn't sell all the properties that day or if they didn't. Um, um, if they didn't collect a certain amount of money, then they could back out of all the other offers. You know, a lot of those clauses in there. It's pretty mm-hmm. technical. But it turns out that um, the only person at this auction—this was 2010—and um, and the one property I wanted uh, was was probably worth $200,000. I wanted to get it at $100,000. I wasn't really interested in the other 32 properties. Um, and the auctioneer and I were chatting and basically he said, listen, you can't get it. We're not going to sell it to you uh, for 100000 Even at the 200000 you wouldn't get it because they need a minimum of $300,000 collected on the day, blah, blah, blah. Turns out and I, I was able to spend $300,000 and get every single property. What? But I had, I had to pay for them all that day. I had to come up with the money before like 3 uh. o'clock in the afternoon. And I ended up, I ended up uh, What year was this? Up,
0: was there wasn't there like a credit freeze? <laughs> Two
1: thousand and ten. Uh-huh. This was in Cleveland. It was very odd. Uh-huh. Very odd situation. So yes, I went to desperate measures and uh with my intentions to buy one property I ended up buying thirty-three.
0: What in was one the day. what was the unit price at that point then on all those thirty three properties?
1: That was less than ten thousand a property. Oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. What? That's it wasn't like the buy best one, get made, free. though. It That's sounds like a
1: great was. deal, but it came with a lot of headaches. I won't lie.
0: Yeah, because I, I had to, to spend like, how much money to get those properties to.
1: I had spent on average uh, $15,000 a property to fix them up. So, you know, we ended up spending like another four hundred and fifty grand or so. Plus uh two of them had to be torn down and were condemned. That cost me ten grand to tear them down and, and have them um created into like uh green space for the city. Uh yeah there was it wasn't like the best deal but it was crazy at the time. I'm like, what am I doing? This is outrageous. <laughs> and uh but you know it all worked out well. I still made money on the deal. It's not the best deal I ever made though. What is um, the so
0: money deal? Like we talk on the show about our so money moments. what well, what has been your so money
1: moment. Your so, many moments, your, your so yeah. money
0: real estate moment.
1: Ah, uh, it was, you know what? I think that my, the first house I ever bought was probably the, the, the moment that changed everything. You know, I, I was I was 21 years old and I was doing a uh, midterm project in college, and as a business student, I was analyzing the opportunity of student rentals because I was a broke student. I'm like, this is ridiculous, how much money these landlords are making. And my um, my friend and I went and looked at a property for sale, took it to our mortgage advisor, our mortgage broker, went through the case study, and we actually found out we could buy it if we used our student loans as a down payment. So we used our student loans as a down payment on a property. Best thing I ever did. What? Put fifteen thousand dollars or seventy-five hundred dollars each. So we put a fifteen thousand dollars worth of our student loans down on a house. Moved into it. Rented it out to our friends. The next year we refinanced it and took thirty thousand out. I was sold. I'm like, I put fifteen in. I got thirty out. This is incredible. My God. I started buying more real estate. No
0: wonder you had 25 by the time you were 25. Because yeah, I you got started early. early on. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you could, I, mean, I guess you could still do that technically, take your student loan payment and, tr- you know, just buy a house with it instead. Although you maybe have to go to Detroit to do that because I don't know what, you know, <laughs> what you could buy for $15,000.
1: Well, that was just a down, right. it a down payment. Right. a down payment, right? Even
0: still. Yeah, I guess, you know, 15, 20% now you need.
1: Yeah. There you go.
0: Well, hey, I learn something new every day on the show. What can I say? There you go. Scott, tell me, what's your financial philosophy when it comes to real estate? Is there something that you, like a money mantra that you have that you use as a benchmark when you are considering a real estate venture?
1: Um, I would say there's two things. Number one, because of the lessons I learned in the mid to around 2008, I will, I will never consider an investment property without first doing a cash flow analysis because I never want to get caught in a scenario where I may have to sell at a loss. I always want to make sure that I've got long-term profitability. And if values aren't what's going up, then I need to make sure there's cash flow there so that I can profit Continuously, that's uh, that's one thing that I've learned. But my business philosophy, I kind of again, I, I do the opposite of what most people do. Most people worry about the present and hope it works out for the future, and I I look at the future first and say, you know, what can this property? For instance, with real estate and, and some of my businesses, what I do is I look at a, a property and I say, okay, here's a property that will bring in. a year in rent, right? And I'll work back from there and say, what are all my costs going to be? And then what is my margin going to be? And I'll make my decision based on the potential of future profit. Mm -hmm. And then I just make sure that I keep within budget, right? And it's like, all right, if I stay on budget, I'm guaranteed a profit. And uh, I work most of my businesses backwards uh, that way, whereas most people are kind of trying to move forwards, I I jump to the future and move backwards.
0: I envy people like you and others that work in the industry that are contractors. They are perhaps designers, architects, where if they're also involved in real estate investments that you have a resource, you have resources that I think the average person doesn't necessarily have or know who to tap into. Like you can read completely redo a house for $15,000. Whereas I'm not sure The average person would know how to do that. Not that they couldn't, but it's like you just you're you are ready, set, go with all of that, and you know how to save. You know where to get the savings. So all all this to say that I feel I feel you're really lucky in that.
1: Ah, uh, you know what though, it's calculated. Luck is luck has very little to do with success. I you know, I think the most successful people would argue that they're they were mainly unlucky. I try to think about all of the things that happened to me by accident and none of them are very good. <laughs> um you know, a lot of the good things are the things you did intentionally and planned and worked hard at. And yeah, in real estate, uh, I became a a contractor after I was a real estate investor because I knew it would be helpful. It wasn't that I was by accident a contractor and then accidentally became a real estate investor. And anyone who works in the real estate industry who is also a service provider of real estate, it could be someone who's a home stager, it could be a, a mortgage broker. It could be a contractor or a designer like me. Yeah, we're going to have, uh, you know, better margins in our specialty, but that doesn't necessarily, you need to be, you need to be everything. I'm, I'm not a mortgage broker, um, but I know which mortgage brokers work with. I'm not a real estate agent, but I know that if I work with owners.com, I'm going to, you know, save on that commission anyway. So I don't have to be all these people. I just have to be smart about which ones I work with.
0: Yeah. You got to develop your brain trust, as I say. Of uh, Brain trust. Yeah. I like it. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. This has been such a... I mean, I have to say all of our listeners love to learn about real estate, whether we are homeowners or not. I'm a big geek when it comes to real estate. It's my favorite section of the New York Times every single Sunday. Um, And so real treat to have you on the show to give us some in the trenches advice. Thank you so much. And congratulations on another season. And we look forward to seeing more of you on TV and everywhere else that you are.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks so much to my fabulous guest, Scott McGillivray, host of HGTV's Income Property. If you'd like to learn more about Scott, his website is scottmcgillivray.com. He's also on Twitter at SMCGillivray at S. McGillivray. All this information back at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And I know you want to check out the transcript because this information on this podcast was a little too good to pass up, right? You want to go back and remind yourself of, for example, the best day to bid on a home, the best ways to increase your property value on the cheap, and how to create undermarket deals. How do you actually do that? I know a lot of you are interested in real estate. And if you have any questions for me, hop over to SoMoneyPodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh, that little, that little, uh, button there and uh, send me your question for the Friday episodes. Looking forward to hearing from you all. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money.